We live on a visited planet. Each year at this time, we celebrate the moment in which heaven and earth intersected, and the world has never been the same. When love came down at Christmas, God left the splendor and majesty of the heavens and became a tiny, helpless baby. Earth was visited by the presence of the Almighty. 20th century New Testament scholar J.B. Phillips wrote a short story called The Visited Planet. The story begins in this way. A senior angel is showing a very young angel around the splendors of the universe. They view whirling galaxies and blazing suns and then flit across the infinite distances of space until at last they enter one particular galaxy of 500 billion stars. As the two of them drew near to the star, which we call our sun, and to its circling planets, the senior angel pointed to a small and rather insignificant sphere turning very slowly on its axis. It looked as dull as a dirty tennis ball to the little angel, whose mind was filled with the size and glory of what he had seen. I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel, pointing with his finger. Well, it looks rather small and dirty to me, said the little angel. What's special about that one? To those of us who are human, this planet we call home is very special. Astronaut Jim Lovell, who was circling the moon in Apollo 8 on Christmas Eve, 1968, later wrote, It was just another body, really about four times that the crew of Apollo 8 knew and loved. It was the most beautiful thing there was to see in all the heavens. That's the viewpoint of us human beings. But the little angel thought differently as the story of the visited planet continues. To the little angel, though, Earth did not seem so impressive. He listened in stunned disbelief as the senior angel told him that this planet, small and insignificant and not overly clean, was the renowned visited planet. Do you mean that our great and glorious prince went down in person to this fifth-rate little ball? Why should he do such a thing like that? The little angel's face wrinkled in disgust. Do you mean to tell me, he said, that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures of that floating ball? The senior angel admonished, I do, and I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them, to lift them up, to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond his comprehension. It's nearly impossible for us to comprehend the magnitude of this visit, too. The fact is that the creator of the entire universe, with galaxies, 
and universes at his fingertips, humbled himself to become a tiny human baby, helpless and totally dependent on a human mother and father is much more than our limited minds can even fathom. Not only the physical act of this visit is strange to us, but the why is even more puzzling, as it was especially to the little angel. Because the little angel could not comprehend that something of the father's knowledge and wisdom had broken into the minds and hearts of people who live upon the earth, But yet not many people could hear his voice or understand what he says, even though he is speaking gently and quietly to them all the time. The senior angel sternly told the little angel, it is not for us to judge them. We who live in the splendor have no idea what it is like to live in the dark. We hear the music and the voice like the sound of many waters every day of our lives. But to them, well, there is much darkness and much noise and much distraction upon the earth. Only a few who are quiet and humble and wise hear his voice. But watch, for in a moment you will see something truly wonderful. The earth went on turning and circling around the sun, and then quite suddenly, in the upper half of the globe, there appeared a light, tiny but so bright in its intensity that both the angels hid their eyes. I think I can guess, said the little angel in a low voice. That was the visit, wasn't it? Yes, that was the visit. The light himself went down there and lived among them. Author Philip Yancey summarizes the visit in this way. Could it be true? This Bethlehem story of a creator descending to be born on one small planet? If so, it is a story like no other. Never again need we wonder whether what happens on this dirty little tennis ball of a planet matters to the rest of the universe. Little wonder a choir of angels broke out in spontaneous song disturbing not only a few shepherds, but the entire universe. Well, we're so glad that you have chosen to spend Christmas morning with us. How many of you were here last night or yesterday? Quite a few. Yeah. It was an awesome day. And uh, this morning we're here... Because it's Sunday and we worship Jesus Christ. We worship Him on Sunday because that's when the earliest Christians celebrated the resurrection of the Lord. And we get a double whammy today because we're celebrating His birth and His resurrection. And there are are so many things to be um, just rejoicing over today as we've come together to give God praise. And I want to thank you for uh, being here on this special morning. Next Sunday is going to be another special morning, New Year's day will be a Sunday, and we're going to do this again. So one service at 10 o'clock. Who knows? Maybe we'll just stick with this for a while. (laughs) Just cram all in here, you know. Um, But that's what we'll be doing next week. So please come back next Sunday and celebrate New Year's Day. It's an old Methodist tradition, actually, to have church on New Year's Day. Um, 
<clears throat> so we're just going to be following in the steps of John Wesley here for that next week. So <clears throat> it'll be great. I'm going to lead you guys in uh, a special Methodist Christmas prayer here. I got right out of the book of worship. So let's check this out. <clears throat> let's pray together. Holy God, heaven and earth are met this day in the newborn child, Savior of the world. <clears throat> we celebrate his birth, for in him you come to be close to us, that we might be close to you. Especially we give thanks for the birth, life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and all he means to us, for prospects of peace in the world, for confidence in your almighty love, for those who generously give, for those who graciously receive, for the churches nurturing us in the faith, God of all mercy, as you have come in Jesus Christ to be our guest, inspire our hearts to a hospitality that welcomes all your children in his name. Especially we pray for those who have not yet heard your good news, <clears throat> for the sick and suffering, for those who know no laughter, only tears, for those who govern and rule, for those enslaved by tyranny, for prisoners of addiction or abuse, for the church as a refuge for the needy. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. That's a good prayer, huh? Our scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. And of course, this comes on the heel of what we read yesterday with the gospel narrative in Luke. And here's what happens next. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses... Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. 
and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Let's pray together for our pastor as he comes to preach. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these words and for the rejoicing that took place 2,000 years ago to those who had the knowledge that you were coming, to those who had the insight to recognize the sign, great joy. And to us today, Lord, we too have this knowledge. We too have this sign. May we recognize it. May we recognize you. And may we hear these words of Pastor Mike this morning. But may they not be his words only. May they also be the words of the very one whose birth we celebrate today. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. As you've noticed, we're really, other than that first bit, not using the screens, you're going to need to uh, uh, look at your insert uh, a little bit. And we're going to have some uh, hymns after, uh, the, during the offering, and they're printed in there too. And if you're looking for the normal fill-in-the-blank, the slide stuff, um, you might uh, want to look on there, on the insert, because there it is. So, when you came in today... You might have seen some rock salt on the carpet. You might see some candle wax down in on the floor. If you stepped into one of our rooms, you might have found that, uh, that there's still a projector up for overflow seating for yesterday, and there's uh, chairs and candles everywhere. And we burned all the oil out of our candles last night on the altar candles, and we just didn't fill it because, frankly, we don't know how. We didn't ask Alan to come in and teach us how to do that. So, but I want to. I want to. With all that, I want to remind you: this is not the morning after. This is not the morning after the great party. This is the morning. This is the morning we've been looking forward to. This is Christmas. The temptation for you to come when you came in last night or this morning, and if you were here last night, the temptation for you when you come in this morning is to say. Where are all of them? Where are they all? That's not for us. The exclamation should not be our temptation. The exclamation should be is, we're right where we want to be. We are right where we want to be. We're in the temple of the living God, the God who becomes one of us. We're right here. Praise the Lord. Merry Christmas. I'm glad you're here with me. Because... We've been preaching this sermon series throughout all of Advent called Who Gets the News? And today's title is Who Gets the News? The Church Geeks. Who's a church geek? People who come to worship on Christmas morning. (laughs) That's a church geek. I remember my first one. Way back in the 80s, that's in the 19s for you guys that weren't around. I was a pastor of a little tiny church in Cedar Edge, Colorado, and for the first time in my ministry, Christmas came on a Sunday. And I thought, same as today, I thought, well, we're not in any danger of setting an attendance record this morning, but who will come? And that little church that normally averaged between, you know, 100 and 200, somewhere in there, I don't remember anymore. It was about half full on Christmas morning, and right as I began to speak... 
In walked Ty Williams. He was my first one. Ty Williams was a star athlete at our local high school. God, Bible, Jesus had never been part of his life. I, I literally, I, I would admit this before it became a bad term, before it became a bad term. I stalked him. I stalked the whole high school football team at that, that uh, little school. And Ty was one of the roughest, toughest players. And I, I would sit at a little, it's kind of like a come and go. I'd sit at a lot of come and go kind of place when they got out of football practice. And I never addressed them by name because boys like to be called by their numbers. And I always called him number 25. I said, number 25, you need to come to my church. And he defended me all, all year long. And then the next fall came and I said, 25, you're a senior. You need to come to my church. And he did. And through our youth ministry, the Lord rained down into him and it filled Ty up with the Holy Spirit. His family, a big empire of apple-growing orchards out there in western Colorado. His mother's a famous artist, but again, God, Bible, Jesus was not part of his life. But I remember when, on Christmas morning, where there were families like we are here, and there were some of the folks that were retired and their families were away, all filled the church, and into the middle, right straight in my eyesight, came Ty, by himself, alone on Christmas morning. I, I, my heart at first hurt for him. And, and I remember welcoming him after church and talked to him. I said, Ty, I'm so glad you came. And he just simply said, isn't there this where I should be on Christmas morning? He was the first church geek I ever met. And I love the church geeks now. I didn't know what that meant. But he was so consumed with the gospel that was being preached in his youth group, so consumed with the gospel that was being preached in in his church, that he basically told me in his whole life, where else would I rather be? Dinner's only going to be at 1 o'clock. It's only 10 o'clock. Now I can come to worship and everything's going to be great with my Christmas. And I thought, man, Ty, you got the news. And it's simply true that, that, that as we were to drive around Marion today, it was kind of funny. I, I, I made a comparison between last week when it was 400 degrees below zero and today. <laughs> last week, when it was 400 degrees below zero, when I came to church at 645, Walmart was open, all the, grocery, the gas stations were open, the grocery stores were open, all that. Today, nothing. But the similarity is, with both days, is we are. We are. We came to get the news. And there are very few people seeking news today in Marion. There's very few people in Marion. In fact, I'm not, I'm not trying to elevate you because that would be unrighteous. But there are very few people looking for the holy in Marion today. There's a lot of great things going on in Marion. I mean, there's going to be great gift exchanges. I'm looking forward to that, by the way, today. I get to give the first pile of loot to my first grandchild today. I'm looking forward to that gift exchange. There's a lot of big meals going on today. There's a lot of family together going on today. And there's football, football, football. And I'm going to experience all of it. But first, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than right here with those who love the Lord. And there are many in this congregation, some here, some not. So from one church geek to another, welcome and Merry Christmas. The, the scripture that Keith read just a few moments ago is a scripture for church geeks because very few people have heard that story. Very, it's in the Gospel of Luke, but very few people have spent a lot of time because it's kind of the after Christmas story. It's the, it's the few days after Christmas, after Jesus was born, when Simeon and Anna meet Jesus in the temple. 
I mean, it's the, a story kind of about the faith of the Holy Family, the faith of Mary and Joseph, that they do the three rituals that all Jewish families are supposed to do. The first, they have Jesus circumcised. Then they go to the temple for the purification, uh, the, the, the rite of redemption for him. And now they're going to the temple, according to the scriptures, for the rite of purification, which is for Mary. And they encounter Simeon, an old man, righteous and devout. It was his turn in the temple and he'd lit the incense and he was waiting for the Holy Spirit. And his whole life, if you look at the scriptures, his whole life was about waiting for the Holy Spirit. He knew that God was going to allow him to live until deliverance came to Israel. And then driven by that Holy Spirit, when Mary and Joseph, now young parents or or any parent, listen to this. This is what happens. When Mary and Joseph walk in with their first child, their newborn... This scraggly old man in the temple walks up to them and he doesn't say, may I hold your baby? Read what Keith read a minute ago. He comes and takes the baby from them. So young parents, how many of you would have released that child to some scraggly old man? Maybe in the church you might have because you said, well, we could watch him, you know. But usually you, you, you hold on to your own child, but he takes the child and simply lifts him up and proclaims who he's going to be. And Anna, who never left the temple, according to her, she, uh, you know, you can spend a lot of time reading to decide how many years. Some people would say she was in the temple 84 years. Let's just go with a lot. She was there many, many years. She never left, left the temple. She was absolutely devout, as Simeon was righteous and devout. And she basically says amen to everything Simon says, Simeon says about Jesus. And this is the news for church geeks on Christmas Day from Simeon. Three basic things I want to tell you. First... The child is God gifts, God's gift to the world, to the whole world. There's not been one like him and there won't be another one like him. When, when Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Remember, that's a singular thing. My eyes have seen your salvation. It doesn't mean there's a bunch of salvation coming. There's one salvation coming. My eyes have seen the salvation that God has, has given to us. My eyes have seen your salvation salvation and both Simeon and Anna do exactly what people who see God's salvation should do which is worship so the child is God's gift to the world and secondly he will be recognized as the Messiah he will be recognized as the Messiah one thing I can tell you for sure and any of us that love the Lord and I think everybody that would come to church on Christmas morning is either loving him or seeking him one thing I can tell you for sure is there is no neutral ground regarding who Jesus is there's no neutral ground regarding Jesus. People will either totally accept him or totally reject him. There's no middle way here. I mean, and that's, that's one of the problems, by the way, with many, many, many churches. Is they don't see the totality of need to either accept or reject Jesus. But Jesus says there's no middle ground. There's no gray in Jesus' world. Either you are with him or you are not. See, salvation is not complex. It's simple enough for, for everyone to understand. So I'm going to give you, and I don't know, if any of you came up out of a Baptist church, I'm going to give you the old ABCs of salvation. I think I even put them in the bulletin. ABCs of salvation. Here's the A. Admit you're a sinner. Merry Christmas. Admit you're a sinner. Okay, sir. Admit you have a problem with sin. And I mean, really, you have to say it. I've heard so many people say, well, you know I'm not...
perfect. I'm like, yeah, I know. I've met you. But, but, but sometimes we have to say, no, 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 no. I, insert your name here, am a sinner. I do things that are wrong in regards to God's way. I am a sinner. And, and hear the words that, that the, 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 the pen of Paul pours down on us where he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the result of sin is spiritual death. You heard Keith talk about it. You heard Keith pray about it. It's today we celebrate not only birth, but we celebrate resurrection. And the result of, of, spirit, of sin is spiritual death. And resurrection comes to draw us out of that. He, the resurrection comes to draw us to God eternally, not to have eternal separation from us. Christmas is God. God's come into your life so that you might live in his. And the first step is admitting your human reality. Earlier today, I was punching this out in my office because I wrote this a few days ago so I could be ready for Christmas Eve, and I noticed a horrible typo in the line I just sent. I, I just said, the first step is admitting our human reality, which is to say you have sin. But this is what I have typed, and I, I left it in here so I'd remember it. It says, the first step here is admiring our human reality my sin is so admirable it's wonderful admit admit you're a sinner here's the B in the ABC's of salvation believe in Jesus Christ as God's son and receive Jesus' gift of forgiveness from sin that's not surprising believe in Jesus Christ as God's son and, and receive Jesus Christ's gift of salvation see Jesus comes to give us a way and I'm going to return to where I went from Jesus comes to give us a way if you look at John 14 verse 6 it says I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me the word I is singular which is to say there's one person Jesus Christ who comes at Bethlehem on Christmas day I am the way and then the word that there's a more exclusive words that's conclusive it's it's the word the there is the way the truth the life there's not a bunch of ways there's not a variety of ways you can't go on google or apple max maps and find a variety of ways to jesus there's a to god there's a way and it's through jesus christ his lord and and because there's a way the way is to allow him to take your place to allow him to take your debt. You know, in Christianity, we call it the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you how it plays out in our lives. Uh, about a month or so ago, Teresa and I had, uh, well, you know, we're empty nesters. So we just didn't feel like cooking, I guess. I was going to give some excuse, but we didn't feel like cooking. We went to Texas Roadhouse. Sat down, had a nice meal. Nice young person waiting on us. And, um, you know, we waited for a little while. And finally, we said, hey, can we, can we grab the check? We got to get going. And he said, your debt's been paid. By who? We know who, because we figured out we only saw one member of the church, and there's only two choices, members of the church, either to run my bill up or pay it for me, so. (laughs) Just kidding, JK. But this member of the church paid our debt. And I remember thinking, well, what a, what a nice, what a wonderful blessing that is. But, but you see, when we talk about Jesus paying all of our debt, he's talking about paying all the debt for all the sins that we have done, past, present, and future. And he pays that price for us because when Christ goes onto the cross, and you know this very simplistic Christian theology, he is the worst of all of us. He, 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 he takes 
that and I saw a nativity this this year made of nails I don't know if you've ever seen this but but the description of the of the nativity was I love this it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross it was his love for you see Jesus pays our debt he takes our debt because he loves us that's why we need to believe in him and receive the gift of forgiveness for him. And, and third, the, the C on the ABCs of salvation is confess your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord to others. Confess your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And don't forget that last word, to others. Not just to yourself. We're, we're, a, we're a socialized religion. We've got to tell somebody. When you're a Christian, you have to tell someone about it. Listen to what it says in Romans 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now get this. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, but it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Jesus will raise many up. And he will take many down. Different way of saying that is that many will be raised by him and many will fall because of him. And Christmas extols our opportunity. Christmas tells us of our opportunity, that, that, that God is one of us is our opportunity. See, the presentation of the temple of Jesus that, 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 that Keith read about, the presentation of taking Jesus to the temple provides a challenge for us to grow in our relationship with God, even on a national holiday, even on this great religious holiday. It isn't a day just to come and say, be blessed, be with each other, check. It's a day where we come because of our intense faith in Jesus Christ to be challenged to grow just a little bit further in our faith. So, so before I go, let me remind you of this. He will be a light to the entire world, not just us. Now, that's the third point in my talk of three points. that he will be a light to the entire world, not just us. He's not the light of the church. He's the light of the entire world. Darkness is present in every age. Darkness always loses. I spent 25 minutes talking about this last night. The darkness of, uh, of of, of the room always overcomes the darkness of the closet. The light of the room always overcomes any darkness. And the Christmas message to those of us who had come to hear it is to bring light to someone. Bring light to someone. Take that light to someone. Spread that light to someone. Tell someone. And we might say, how? Well, Maxie Dunham, who wrote the workbook of Living Prayer and also was the president of Asbury Theological Seminary, was telling us years ago, he says, before you tell anyone about Jesus, you have to do something very specific. Commit to the tell. You have to commit to the tell. You have to put in your mind that no matter what happens in this relationship, I am committed to telling them about Christ. I thought, that is just great advice. I said, you know, we were talking. He says, well, let me give you an example. He says, you know, we've been married. He was talking about his wife. We've been married for a long time. And when grandma would come over, we'd have a wonderful time planned. We'd have wonderful meals, you know, all laid out and everything like that. But let me tell you about my grandmother. My grandmother loved to cook and she was committed to cook. And one thing we knew that when grandma was coming, it didn't matter what we were doing. Grandma was going to cook. She was going to nudge you out of the kitchen and she was going to cook because that is what she did. She was committed to the cooking. 
Christians, we've got to be at least committed as, as committed as a German grandmother. We've got to be committed to the tell. Christians are going to tell. No matter what's going on in circumstances, we are going to tell. And we might say, well, how are we going to tell people about Christ? Well, and I've, I, I've done this at length with you, I'm sure. But after you commit to the tell, you start looking for ways. Because here's the thing. While I do think there's great urgency and immediacy, it also sometimes, it often takes you knowing someone well, understanding a little bit about them so that you can guide them to the conversation or to the question that you want them to ask. I'm a believer that uh, every single one of you, no matter where you go in the next couple of days, you could guide somebody within two or three sentences to talk about Christ. You're going to go to work this week and somebody's going to say, what'd you do over Christmas? First of all, that's a softball. Went to church. Twice. Pastor told, told a story about a closet. Or the pastor's story told, you know, whatever. That's an easy one. But, but you can think about the questions you have. When somebody asks you, do you believe in something? They've asked you what you believe. Walk into it. You can guide conversations when you're committed to the tell. And, and I want to make it even easier to you. We have at this church provided you with props to help your tell. Anybody that wants one, we give Marian Methodist stickers for their cars, for their front doors. I just love it when the Mormons come and talk to me and I got my Marian Methodist sticker right there. But, but we've given you props. There's, there's all kinds of things that, that somebody will say, well, what's that sticker on your door? You can say, oh, sorry, you know, I got to get my sticker cleaned up. Or I got a prop this week from one of my confirmation teachers. Have you seen this? The, the green and red M&M's? That, and it's got this little, looks like it's a little shepherd thing. Pastor Mike left his glasses where he was sitting, so let me read you this. You guys that are laughing know why. The rest of them are like, that's just dumb. As you hold these candies in your hand and turn them, you will see they're M&Ms. M becomes an M, a W, an E, and a 3. They tell the Christmas story. It's one I'm sure you'll know. It took place in a stable a long, long time ago. I just love poetry. The E is for the east, where the star shone so bright. The M is for the manger, where the baby slept that night. Keith's laughing inside at me. The three is for the wise men, bearing gifts. With haste they came. The W is for worship. Angels sing praises to his name. So as you eat these candies... Or share them with a friend. Remember the true spirit of Christmas and never let it end. Now that, that's as good a prop as I can come up with. I mean, I kind of think it's overly cute for me, but, but I'm a church geek, you know? And so I, I don't need something like that. But, but if you need a prop, there's, this, there's these great props. And I, I see a lot of you wearing, you know, jewelry and necklaces. That's, th- those are great props to help you guide a com- conversation. My house has nativity scenes in it. And you can, you, can, you can bring that forward. You've got art in your home. You've got tattoos. All these kind of things that, that Christians are to use as conversation starters in your commitment to the tell. And of course... The beautiful thing about coming to Marian Methodist is there's a lot going on here. So you always have the availability to invite people to a worship, to a class, to something that's going on. I'm always surprised, and, and this is just for, for, for raising awareness, not, not for spanking those who would come and worship God. 
I'm always surprised at how more readily we will talk about a television show or a movie we've seen and recommend that to a friend before we will say, boy, you should come and meet the Jesus that, that powers our church. Or you should come and meet the good folks of my small group and see the spirit that runs in between them. And by the way, in, in Marion, I'm not talking about the whole metro area, but you have the easiest church to find right now. And when we move, you're going to have the easiest church to find as well. Because you say, just go to the big red steeple. Just go to the church with the big red steeple. And invite your friends and point them to the place. Just follow the steeple. Get down underneath it. Go up Highway 13. You can find it. But there's plenty of things that give us reference as to how we can communicate the gospel. And let me, as I go away, tell you the most important thing. All those things of your tell are very, very important. But most importantly, everything people see about you should tell your relationship with Christ. Everything about you should tell that the light of the world is at the center of your life. Everything about you. Nobody should wonder, nobody should question whether or not you, the kind of people that come to church on Christmas morning, have affiliated with your life with Christ or not. Nothing. So Merry Christmas, church geeks. That's the news. I invite you to pass it on. Invite, pass it on that the the church is God's gift to the world. He'll be recognized as the Messiah and he will be light to the entire world. Um, We, I'll speak on behalf of Keith and Vicki today. We love you all. And we're glad to worship with you. We're glad to, to, to work in mission side by side with you. And we're pleased that we can throw our lives in front of God and onto his altar alongside with you. Um, that's what, for us, accelerates and amplifies our ability to say Merry Christmas. So Merry Christmas to all of you. God bless you.